My name is Sarvi. Six years ago, I was introduced to the concept of a hummingbird person. This forever has changed how I viewed pursuit of passion in my personal life and career in technology. Join me as every episode I talk to multifaceted successful technologists. Hi everyone. Welcome to the first episode of 2024. And I am so glad that I'm starting 2024 with a very accomplished and educated guest, Dr. Sara Muradi. Uh, Dr. Sara is the deputy head of fusion science at one of the largest publicly funded R&D organization, focus, uh, focusing on realizing uh, fusion energy. I am very excited. This is an area that I don't personally know as much, so I would, uh, I'm looking forward to learning all about it. Uh, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sarvi, and uh, hi, everyone. And uh, Thanks very much for giving me the opportunity to talk to your um, listeners about me, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Perfect. So, Tara, maybe you can start. I mean, first of all, you're the first doctor on my podcast, so I need to remember to call you Dr. Sarah. Um, but maybe you can just first start by talking a little bit about your background and maybe even just at the very basic, how did you get into this uh, field of atomic and nuclear physics? Um, and what is it that you actually do? Uh, well, Sarah is fine. We don't need to. Have it. <laughs> But okay, a um, little bit about myself. Okay, I uh, was born and raised in Iran, Shiraz. Nice city, one of the nicest cities in Iran, I think. <laughs> if I say so myself. Um, uh, well, uh, as I was growing up, I always sort of knew I liked to become a physicist, uh, something to do with physics. My ambition was more about becoming an astro uh, astronaut, but okay, uh, the limitations at the time for women and also for astronomy in Iran maybe made my direction to be a little bit um, uh, off that path. Uh, at, um, okay, I grew up there. I went to uh, high school and university and finally at the university level, I started doing um, uh, atomic physics, uh, which was my subject uh, in Shiraz University. Um, and uh, it was quite an interesting years of my life there. Um, we had um, more women than men actually in the class. Which, was, which is always a surprise for anybody outside Iran when I talk about it, that so many women actually go to the um, basic sciences in Iran and they are so good at it, actually. Most of the high um, uh, top top of the class were women in my, in my year and also other years that I remember. Uh, I started looking for continuing my education because I left um, the last year of my um, licenciate in Iran uh, education the four years of the first four years of bachelor's called licenciate so I left um, third year uh, and, and I wanted to continue and finish that because education was very important to me so I went to the university in Brussels uh, Université Libre de Bruxelles and then I um, had one year of being just uh, registered as a free student 
which meant that I could follow three courses only as, as a listening in, and I didn't have opportunity to actually pass exam or anything. After the first year, um, which everything was in French, and I was so <laughs> scared because I mean, learning quantum mechanics in, in French, it's a very big task for someone who has not really had a lot of experience. But um, it, it was fun. Uh, somehow it was an interesting uh, concept uh, of learning everything in a different language. I, I remember some of the concepts when the, the professor wrote it on the blackboard. I was like, okay, I understand the equation, but I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> So, um, so eventually I learned little by little. And then the next year I actually managed to formally enroll in the last two years of the university in, in Brussels. And uh, I uh, managed to finish my bachelor. And then in Belgium, they have the system where you can become, uh, uh, you can apply for the PhD. Uh, and then you have one year of uh, what they call in diplôme approfondir. Uh, and, and then you are a PhD student formally. So I, I got um, I got a grant from the um, Ministry of Research in Belgium, actually. We had to compete for a uh, for a PhD grant uh, to be publicly funding funded for our studies and I won the grant uh, so I enrolled and uh, the topic as as I came by the topic I was chatting with a friend on the corridors at the Brussels University and he said uh, I'm going for uh, plasma physics fusion plasma physics and I, at the time I had no idea what it meant and I said, okay, so what is this? And then he said, okay, this is this idea of a new energy um, that they are working on, which is uh, going to be the future and all that. And I was like, okay, let me think about it. Let me read a little bit about it. And then I went and researched a little bit and I thought, oh, wow, this is actually uh, something I really like to do. Not only because um, the complexity of the problem, but also because it is very um, worthwhile as as a as a sort of a career path or something something that is important for the humanity so i decided to um, go and uh, try to enroll in that topic and as i got uh, my grant i started studying in brussels um, the team was quite young. Uh, we had many uh, new PhD students and, and it was quite fun. Um, I always remember we had many coffee breaks there. Um, <laughs> I remember we, we, we came in the office and, and at 8 you had a coffee break and then at 9.30 you had another and then you had lunch. And I always remember the good times. Uh, yeah, so this was the beginning when I went to Brussels to, to the study on the fusion, um, physics of the fusion. And, and it was, um, I must say, it was by accident or by luck or by um, by uh, destiny, but I am happy about it. Amazing. And I think a lot of opportunities always come in these, like somewhat by accident. I mean, who knows if they're really accidents. Um, my my spiritual side says there is always a reason for these things to happen, but it's amazing if you weren't in the corridor that day and you weren't talking to that person, maybe your path would have been completely different. Um, but I wanted to um, ask you about all of these languages that you had to learn. And not only you had to learn the language, but you had to learn to be proficient in a very professional field. 
So was it first you had to learn French and then German later? Did I get that right? No, I had to learn French uh, because, of course, uh, one of the main languages in, in Belgium is French and I was going to the French university. But the second language that I... Um, well, had to learn it was the English because the field is very international and, and most of the people that we interacted with was uh, in English interaction. The papers that we write, the, the academic uh, work is mostly in English. So English is my <laughs> best language comparing <laughs> to French now. Uh, well, moving around, I, I've moved a lot, uh, around a lot in, in, in different countries because after Belgium, I got a postdoc position. I won a few uh, grants mm -hmm. from um, European and also Swedish Council for Research. Uh, and I moved to uh, Sweden in, Stock uh, in Gothenburg. And, and there I, I I was studying for three years. There again, I, I had to sort of try to learn a little bit of Swedish, <laughs> which was very hard to, to manage compare, doing all this work and also learning a new language. So I didn't really manage it, but okay, a few things. And then I had, uh, I got another, uh, I won another uh, research grant to come back to um, France. And then I went to a, a French uh, Ecole Polytechnique in, in Palaiso, which is near Paris. I was there for uh, more than a year and I had won two different grants there uh, for the research that I was doing. Then, um, I, well, their French, I, I had to learn French. I mean, I spoke French with, uh, with my colleagues because it's very dominant language there. And then uh, I got a position back in Belgium, then I won another grant. So I came back to Belgium, I resigned from the, my post in France and came back to Belgium. And then I moved to uh, England uh, to, to work uh, as as actually as a pilot for the for the tokamak because um, well the 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 fusion devices which we have uh, are one of the main line of research is in tokamak what we call a tokamak device which is a sort of a donut shaped device which we put uh, the plasma in and then we start heating it up and trying to get the fusion um, going. And that is the largest device in the world at the moment uh, is in uh, UK, in, in near Oxford. And I moved there trying to actually learn how to run the machine, to, wow. to actually be more hands-on and, and piloting of the machine. And so I was there for three years and again back to English. <laughs> and then uh, there I, I sort of learned um, uh, quite a bit from, from actually technical side of things because my background was very much theory, mm -hmm. just simply modeling and doing simulation yeah. and running uh, equations basically um, on the computer to actually being running a machine, learning about different systems, subsystems and, and how different things work in practice when you run an experiment on a large device. And uh, this was quite an uh, experience because, I mean, being in a control room of uh, of a machine like that, I don't know if you have seen um, videos of it. Yeah, or it's yeah. been everywhere. It is quite a challenge. Uh, and, and on the top of that, I mean, every 20 minutes, you have to redesign the next pulse and you have to think about what went wrong or went okay and what to do. 
So it is an interesting and challenging uh, task. Um, and then uh, after that, uh, I moved to Germany because uh, while in England, I started thinking about, okay, what are my blind spots in terms of skill set? And I thought, okay, I don't really know about the management and, and all the sides of the work where it is on the research management. And so I decided, okay, uh, I better try to find some way to educate myself. And then I, I went and followed the MBA, uh, the global MBA at the Imperial. So uh, I, I got uh, enrolled in the program. And uh, also there, that was a big experience. That was a huge add-on to what um, my career was uh, up to that point because there not only one learns about the management and, and the tools and, and the formalities of things, uh, one is exposed to many, many different ways of thinking and the logic of many different um, people in, in different sectors. And that is a beautiful part of it because being in research and as a scientist, uh, we were a little bit focused, I think, in, in the way of thinking and the way of um, looking at a problem. Uh, and that opened up my mind quite a bit on, on how different groups of people in different works um, actually think differently. And it's quite interesting to see that. Um, so after that, I decided to become uh, part of the what we call the program management unit which is the headquarters for organizing the research and development within eurofusion so then i moved to germany to be part of that amazing and, and i i don't think i know german <laughs> enough to say i'm <laughs> i'm a german speaking i i, I can just go by yeah. by something <laughs> That's all. yeah but i agree with you around um the reason that you went and pursued business school and MBA. And I often say the same thing uh, when people ask me, and I haven't heard that many people pick that as their main reason. To me, the best part of it is really getting out of really a lot of us working, whether it's working or researching in one field with a group of people for years, then you start thinking all very similar. So removing yourself and go to somewhere that people are from, got 50 70 different countries in my cohort and people did think very differently it was extremely extremely eye-opening for me um Sarah you moved around across Europe a lot as you were talking about um and each of these moves as someone that I also did one move one big move in my life they're they're hard um and there are a lot of learning that comes with it when you did all of these moves, what was the thing that you learned? Because I know a lot of people, I know I'm also going through a phase in my life that I'm thinking, oh, should I do a next move? I've been in Canada for a long time. Should it be a next uh, stage for me? Um, what has been your learning? Well, um, I think the fundamental part of it is not to be scared of a change. Uh, even if it is a big one, like moving from one country to another or from one career to another. I think if you feel like um, it's time for you to make a different a different way of uh, thinking, working or living, then uh, just do it. I mean, it, it, there's no um, 
there is nothing that if you if you have been successful in adjusting to the new situations mm -hmm. it, it should not stop you for me all the moves have always been in a sense to learn a new skill a new way because um, i was a theoretician and i wanted to learn about the realities of actual running things so i went to uk and then after uk i thought okay I got a little bit of uh, knowledge on how things are. And now I want to understand how actually on a larger scale, we can make a change or we can make an impact by um, organizing and managing these researches that are done. So for me, every step had been about adding another layer to what I consider to be my basic skill sets. Uh, and I jumped at it when the occasion came and I didn't try to I mean I, I was happy for the change and mm -hmm. that is important I think yeah no that's a really good point for some reason I feel when I was 18 and I did the move it was I didn't even think about it and I just did it and as you get older then at least for me you think a little bit more about it um, but I think that's just the natural thing that comes with uh with getting older and you just uh, maybe become more risk averse but uh, you're right every change and every move it just brings with it challenges but also new learnings and in some way new beginnings and you just have to be open to all of those I guess yeah I guess uh, for us uh, who come from a very different uh, culture and background uh, like Iran it's 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 like okay I've I've done that big a move yeah <laughs> it yes, can't I, be bigger than that <laughs> nothing can be as big as that <laughs> so yeah. it's fine I, I moving to Sweden to, to France to Germany exactly. it is not as big so it's fine but I yeah, that, that, but I can see, I mean, a lot of my colleagues have stayed and lived and, and worked in the same institute for year, 20 years, 30 years, and they are happy too. I mean, there is value in, in both. Yeah. Some of us are never resting just <laughs> from one to another, and some are very much doing a good job uh, continuing on the same. So yeah, there's a different recipe for each person. Yeah. And I mean, this is the name of the podcast, The Hummingbirds, as I uh, explained the first episode, is people that they just fly from one tree to the other. Um, Sarah, when um, with everything that you have going on, is it uh, you also give me the impression of a very calm, balanced person um, mm -hmm. is uh, do you really have any free time? Do you manage to do other things? Or is it really your passion, what the area that you've been researching and dedicating a lot of your time, that's truly your passion and that's the area that you spend a lot of your time. How do you make sure that you have, you have this almost like a balance to expose yourself to different things and different ideas or uh, do you really go deep into your area and that's what you breathe on everyday basis? Well, I'm... I would consider myself somehow workaholic <laughs> because I, my work is sort of part, partly my hobby. So I, I don't mind like uh, looking at something late in the evening or even on the weekends or even all during the vacation. I cannot really shut off the work because I enjoy it. I enjoy the interaction with people. I enjoy the the, the, the concepts, the, the, the physics, um, the theories, the, the work, all sort of it. It's fun for me 
But for the work-life balance, indeed, I mean, I do have a little girl, a 10-year-old, so yeah. I have to shut off some time <laughs> to, work to, to, look, to take care of her and, and engage with her in different ways. From I think overall, I would say um, I, I don't find work to be uh, my life, but but for what it is, uh, it has fulfilled me quite a bit. That's, yeah, yeah. That's always uh, the ultimate goal from all of our yeah. career. Does your um, you said your daughter is ten years old? Does your daughter know what mommy does? And because it's always uh, what we do when it's very technical, it's it's always interesting to explain. I remember one of my interview question years ago was, "How would you explain this role to your to your like four year old niece or something like that?" So, does I mean your daughter is older, but does she know what mommy does and how does she think about it? Yeah, she she does sort of know what is my basic um, kind of work about which area it is and it is about science. And I think she enjoys it. But sometimes when I come home and talk about the, the interactions at work, she gets a bit like, oh, mommy, come on, stop talking about it. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear <laughs> on what you had an interaction with who and whatnot. So I, I try to limit that. Yeah, yeah. But overall, yeah, because I mean, in, in especially in Munich, it's a lot of people that... Um, we have interaction with of course are the, from the same field and same kind of background of uh, educated and, and and working for public research or, or private research so it, it's sort of a balance so it's she's used to this kind of um, background yeah amazing well i'm sure she's extremely proud of you and as she gets older and knows more of the details she will be even more proud uh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I don't know if currently you're teaching, but I kind of see a professor in you. So hopefully one day you also find a time for that so more people can benefit from your knowledge. Oh, thank you very much. Well, let's see how the future <laughs> goes. Okay. Thanks very much for your time and, and your interest in of my course. story. Of course. And everyone listening, thank you for listening to us for the first episode. I have not been consistent on releasing these episodes as regular as I wanted, but also um, I think there's still value in making sure that even on a monthly basis, I release when I uh, get in contact with accomplished people such as uh, Sarah. And uh, I'll talk to all of you in the next episode. Thank you.